Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 129 of Slamfire Radio for October 29th, 2015. I'm one of your hosts, Matthew the Warning Shot McClatchy. I'm the other. Well, I'm one of the other. I'm Trevor. (laughs) (laughs) You're somebody. And I'm Adriel, the Hunting Gear Guy Me Show. Hey, Owen just signed on a Skype. Add him to the show. I really should. Should I really? Yeah, Yeah. let's see if he comes on. Let's, Let's see if he comes on. We'll see what he did this week in guns. Yeah, well, we'll see. And if not, it'll be you. It'll be me. Yeah. Well, if, while we're waiting for him to uh, to join the call here, um, this. I'm I'm going to tell you all what I did with guns because it was nothing. That's easy. <laughs> yeah, it was nothing. And Owen's not answering. So sorry, listeners. No Owen for you. No Owen for you. Terrible. Well, I won't take long, Matthew. I almost did nothing too. I did. Um, just in the last couple of days, pretty much, um, a little bit of reloading for 40 and 44 and, uh, some grand test loads. I was telling you, Matthew, yesterday, I'll share it with the listeners. Best deal in gun trading swapping history. I get it. <laughs> I get a text. You're going to love this, Adriel. I get a text from a friend who says, do you have any empty one pound jugs of powder? Yeah, I've got like, I don't know, a dozen or so. Why? How many do you need? My father needs two, and he will trade you one full pound of powder for two empty jugs. <laughs> what? Wait yeah. A He's going to give away a $35 bottle of powder for two empty containers. They're garbage. They throw them away. I'll just, I will just, I will give them to him. It's fine. No, 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 no. You've helped him out in the past. It's okay. He's going to bring you the powder. I'm like, all right. Fine. So I put two empty powder containers out on my front porch, and I leave for work. I come home from work, and there is one pound of powder, 650 pieces of 9-millimeter nickel brass once fired, reloaded, and cleaned, or resized and cleaned, 100 large rifle primers in a hard plastic case. looks like an old VHS cassette case, but made to fit exactly 100 federal primers. It's really unusual little case. Um, so I guess if you're traveling with primers and don't want them to kerplode, you put them inside this little <laughs> Kerplode. That's a word. It sure is. Because um, <laughs> I used it on a podcast. Yeah. It's on, it's on the internet now, so it's real. A pound of IMR 3031, which is good for all kinds of different things. 308, 30-06, 3030. I, I don't remember them all, but anyway. Yeah. Um, and a box of 100... Hornady 150-grain interlock round-nose projectiles. So I'm like, dang, I got everything I need to load up some Garand ammo. So that's what I did today when I got home from work. I had some brass that was prepped and primed and everything. Um, and because I have the Garand gear plug, I'm not worried about overpressure, although I did start at the uh, bare minimum powder charge. I loaded up five. I'll go to the range um, Saturday and just to see if... Um, 
the base, the minimum power powder charge will cycle the rifle. And if not, well, I, you know, I, I think I started at 43 grains and then I, so I loaded five at 43 and five at 44. And, um, if, you know, 43 doesn't do it, I'll just, I'll try the 44. If that doesn't do it, I'll go to 45. And so, Hey, <laughs> yeah, all of this, what well, I think there's something else. There was something else, wasn't there, Matthew? 100, um, no, hundred primers, a hundred bu- uh, projectiles. 650 pieces of 9 mil brass and a pound of powder, all for two empty jugs, two empty powder jugs. I think if I put out two empty powder jugs as an offering outside, I don't think the ammo fairy will drop off quite as uh, good a bounty as you got there. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy. So I'm like, you know, let let me know anytime he needs more help. I'll be happy to to help him out. So really, no, it just goes to show there's a lot of really nice people in our community and, uh, you know, don't be afraid to help somebody out because you never know when it's going to come back 150 fold. So I don't think Paul listens, but Paul, if you listen, man, you and your dad, Claude, are awesome. And I appreciate that very, very much. Call me up. Let's go shooting. Shoot the Grand. Shoot the Model 29, whatever you want to shoot. Let's go. What else did I do? I installed a Fab Defense stock on my VZ58. A long time ago, I got the cheek riser from uh, listener Kyle. And it took all this time for me to finally get around and order the stock. So on my old CZ858, I had the Fab Defense stock. You remember that one? Matthew had actually had the recoil, the buffer. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. For the massive punishing recoil that a 762 by 39 round delivers. But anyway, this one has the uh, has actually has a uh, an AR15 receiver extension tube on there, or a buffer tube, I guess you would call it, and. Um, I put the Fab Defense stock on with that cheek riser because the optic is so high up on the rail that, I mean, you got your chin on the stock, so it wasn't comfortable. So now it basically looks identical to what my CZ858 was. It has all the same furniture that my CZ858 had, only it's the VZ58 in 223 with the um, AR Magwell adapter. So that hopefully will be, uh, I'm waiting. I actually ordered a lower scope ring. I have a Burris 30 millimeter optic mount on it but it's very high works okay in an AR but on the BZ it's it's high and makes for a really funny cheek weld so uh, I went on Amazon and ordered one 30 millimeter scope ring like what you just use on a regular rifle scope I ordered it in low and hopefully that will get the uh, optic down close to the handguard so that I don't have to uh, have a chin weld as opposed to a cheek weld yeah chin welds are terrible yeah uh, I ordered a case of Dominion 762 by 39 ammo. It's the stuff that I was talking about on the show before that I put through my NEA 39. It's um, lead core, non-corrosive, newly manufactured ammunition. They're sadly all out of the jacket hollow point, so I got um, full metal jacket. I don't have anything in that caliber right now, but they did say that the price was going to go up by 30%. And it's been affordable for a long time. At two fifty a thousand with free shipping comes to two eighty four uh, after tax, shipped to New Brunswick for free. I should have been hoarding this stuff months ago when I had the chance. And now it's gonna it's gonna go up in price by thirty percent. And then I almost bought a uh, an SKS. I know, I know. You but you 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 what? I almost did some panic buying the other day when the wow. RCMP released that little news article and the CBC. Man, that got under my skin. The RCMP releases a, I don't know what they released. The CBC reports that the RCMP did a study showing that several semi-automatic rifles in Canada can be 
they didn't say modified. They basically made it sound like they could make them shoot in full auto with uh, unicorn blood and pixie dust. Technique, they said. Technique, it, it, yeah. Improvised full automatic uh, using a type of technique, and some rifles were uh, more vulnerable to this technique. They're talking others. about bump firing. They were talking about bump firing. Can you believe that? That's ridiculous. It's worse than that. It's worse than that. When the CBC put out this quote-unquote news story, they, within the same article, brought back the RCMP shooting in Moncton and linked the RCMP shooting in Moncton to this and presented them together in the same article. Now, you wow. want to tell me what one has to do with the other? One is a psycho who went around murdering police officers with a Chinese clone semi-automatic rifle, and the other is a study done by the RCMP. Now, you cannot, nobody can convince me that the CBC is not out there perpetrating myths and misinformation and fear-mongering. It's pure, 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 nothing but pure fear-mongering when they take this RCMP, we can turn any gun into a fully automatic story and link it to the shooting in Moncton of the RCMP. One has nothing to do with the other. And when the CBC put the two of them in the same article, it's for one reason, one reason only, and that's to create fear among the population. Yep. And then why did they get away with it now? Because the liberals are in power. Yep. And that study by the RCMP came out when? Like four days after the election. Unbelievable. Okay, yeah, we're aren't in for... you glad we pay a billion dollars a year for them? Yeah, to do their Word investigative uh, journalism and uh, really important, uh, hard-hitting uh, investigations. Yeah, opinion pieces that they pass off as as news. Give me a break. Yeah. You know, man. Um, what else did I do? I put a. Um, I've got a case, a uh, package here from Stacy with a sling for Owen and you, Matthew, and myself, and some apple seed certificates and stickers and all kinds of cool stuff. And I finally got around. It's a it's a GI sling, right? Yep. It's the same sling that they use in, in Appleseed. You can, you know, use it for the hasty and the hasty hasty. Um, I have the same sling on my Garand, so I took the sling off my Garand and put it on my Garand and posted a picture tonight to our Facebook page. And she did a great job, got them embroidered. Mine says for latte. Yours says warning shot. One says the warrior. They're really nice. And uh can't believe it took so long to get it on my Garand, but there it will reside. And I did some leveling to the scope on my Savage 93R. I plan on spending my birthday on the range on Saturday, uh, just doing what I want to do for a change. I've got rifles here that I haven't shot ever since I've gotten them, some that I've had since April or May. So I'll be going out with the Grand to test the ammunition with the Savage, with the uh, Savage 93R, with my Savage Model 99, uh, in 300 Savage, I'm really looking forward to shooting that thing. It's uh, an, it's it's a I guess you would say it's a vintage rifle. I mean, it's from 1954. It has a Weaver scope from 1954. Came with the original paperwork for the rifle, the original paperwork for the scope. I had it fully restored, and of course, Ipsic is summer. Summer is Ipsic. Haven't gotten into the range yet to even test fire it. So it's kind of that's kind of lame. It's very lame. Yeah, you, know? you should go shoot that thing. Yeah. It's taken. It's been. You know, if I wait any longer, it's gonna be snow on the ground. So, yeah, I'm planning on a on a full day at the range, taking food with me and dressing in layers and staying there as long as I can, and sighting in rifles that need to be sighted in, test firing rifles, and playing with handguns that I've like all the guns that I bought. The handguns I bought last winter. There's literally some of them that I've only shot in once. 
My SR9 has been to the range once. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But uh, doesn't mean I have too many guns. Stop. No, no. All right. That's it for me. How about you, Adriel? What have you been up to? Uh, mostly just ordering a couple of things. Um, so I do three gun out here, and uh, I had been uh, sharing equipment between me and a, uh, another buddy of mine here that's in town. And we had, uh, like, AR holders, all that kind of stuff. We're all, we're all good to go. I got mag pouches for my pistol and rifle and all that kind of stuff. Uh, what I was missing was the shot shell holders. And, uh, oh boy, those are, uh, they're expensive. And, uh, I think part of the problem with that is that my, my local club has shot shell counts that are pretty high. So some, some matches, we might need, uh, 20 or 30 shot shells. And, uh, in one stage? Yeah, in one stage. So, so um, so it's outlaw three gun. It's not following like Ipsic rules. No, no. There's, okay. there's, it's, it's totally outlaw. Um, which is fine. It's just, um, you know, the the holders I have. Oh, what kind are they? I got them right over here. They hold uh, eight. And I oh think yeah, they were yeah. like they were like fifty bucks each. Oh geez, when I got my first AP, 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 what AP tactical? AP, AP customs. AP customs. So four by yeah. four. So it holds eight, four, and you know, and two rolls of four. Yeah, that was like eighty nine bucks when I bought that thing, and I still have never gotten around to buying another one. But I want to go with the um, the ones that are stacked now, two, yeah. two, two, four and fours. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. The ones I got are stacked, um, but you know, just sharing equipment with other people, it's just uh, it's it. You know, you have to constantly take it off your belt, put it on your belt, and uh, so what I ended up doing uh, actually at the, the last uh, three gun I was at. Um, I saw someone else using uh, some airsoft version ones. They're not like super high quality or anything like that, but they're twenty five bucks a pop for uh, the eights, and they stack them uh, like like two up kind of a thing, right? I could so you- see airsoft air mag holders and airsoft pistol mag holders, but uh, what purpose would a airsoft shot shell caddy? How would that work in airsoft? I don't know, um, but. So, like, I, I watched a couple of guys at the range using these things, um, and that was enough to convince me. So, um, you know, two of my two of my buddies still needed shot shell holders, so I ordered, like, ten of the things. Um, what was the place called? Spec Warfare, S-P-E-C Warfare.com. I don't, like, I wouldn't encourage anyone to buy these until I've had a chance to, to try them out, just because it's winter and it's not really three-gun season anyways, but... Uh, if they work, I'll I'll be happy to tell everyone because boy, like three gun stuff is expensive. Shotgun shot stuff is expensive. I think. Um, uh, well, I hope your luck is better than ours. We we learned the hard way not to buy airsoft stuff for Ipsic. Um, you can go on eBay and you can get it. Looks just like a Sierra Speed holster. They look just like Sierra Speed mag pouches, and you'd swear they were made at the same factory. And then you get out and you run the stuff and you realize the quality of the plastic is really poor and stuff starts to break, strip, springs are let go. It's just, I mean, the airsoft guys in action shooting, they've got, they don't even use it. And the, mm-hmm. like the action air, like if you go to Japan where action air is huge and an airsoft open gun costs as much as an actual STI open, like a real firearm. Uh, they're actually running like real EOTechs and real Seymours and real CR Speed stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think especially for a holster, um, I think I'd want a holster like from the manufacturer, from Blade Tech or, or someone that's a little bit more reputable um, for something like uh, I don't know with a mag pouch, you might be able to get away with something that's cheaper as long as it's got some sort of adjustability into it. 
Um, these aren't adjustable. They're just, they're plastic fingers. They hold them two up kind of a thing. Um, so they'll, they'll either work and be a little bit cheap and maybe you might break the odd one when you go prone and you, and you lean on the, on the things. Um, or they'll be fine. So yeah, I guess, I guess I'll, I'll find out because I got a whole pile of them coming. Oh, I hope they, <laughs> I hope it works out because, uh, that's the one area of my three belt or my three gun belt that's locking as well. Yeah. Oh, and you see it too when, when people are shooting three gun. Um, the difference between people who have shot shell reloading equipment and people who don't, the people who don't are running like the, the belt style ones with the belt loops that have them on, or they have them, um, on carriers on the side, or they're, they're using, um, some of those like vest mounted ones. Those are all super slow compared to, uh, a proper competition shot shell holder. So even the guys with cheap equipment are, are reloading a heck of a lot faster than the guys who don't have any equipment or, or just have like the, um, non-competition equipment. Matthew, would you go ahead and review with us um, and for the listeners your three-gun shotgun setup? Yeah, it's it's complicated, and, and it did cost me quite a bit of money. Um, but with just a little bit of awkwardness, you too can have the put-your-shotgun-shells-in-your-pocket <laughs> setup, which is the setup that I have. Well, how many three-gun matches have we had so far? Oh, I don't know. Four? Works yeah, every time, our, though. We it's had just, our fourth thing. Yeah. Which one did I win? The None. second one, I think? Uh, did yeah, you? I came in first. The plaque's on the wall right there. You did, didn't you? Yeah, I came in first place in standard division in one of them, and that was with shotgun shells in my pocket. So <laughs> Yes, it was, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, it does work. Oh, that's the one where the bus, the RO was helping you in the bus, yeah. What? No, that doesn't sound right. Yeah, it sounds completely right, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's quite a system you've got there, and uh, you know if it ain't broke, well, it works. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, yeah. See, I the can't. thing is, I shoot one, maybe two well, competitive shotgun so matches a year. I'm not spending money on on do something that I do fun. just for fun. Yeah. That I don't care if I win or not. So. Yeah. 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 Where I shoot one a year and. I'm and pretty you, much ready to get the Safari Land uh, right. belt system. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I would shoot nothing but three-gun if I could. Yeah, if my range did it over here, I'd be well f- deeper into it. That, that sentence got away from me. But you know what I mean. I'd be into it quite a bit more than I am now. No, because you'd be in deep. Uh, I'd, what, uh, <laughs> probably, yeah. That's what you're saying. So, but yeah, well, yeah. It's a lot of fun, right? You get to practice all your... All your um, different disciplines and uh you get a little bit more well-rounded you learn a lot about shotgun reloading because that's where a lot of people lose their time yeah and you know it just proves to me when people just are big shotgun fans for home defense and and they think it's a wonderful platform and yeah as long as you don't have to reload yeah you know sure it, it, it a 12 gauge is a devastating payload when you're throwing triple odd buck down the muzzle, but man, you know, low capacity and slow to reload. Yeah. Uh, just give me an AR. That's uh, same here. I'd much rather have my AR. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so I ordered some of those. They should be coming in a couple of weeks. Here, um, I got a new shooting rest. So I've been, I've been using a a front bag, so like a, just a bit of a taller bag. It it wasn't really tall enough though, so I'd always have to throw like a, the my go to was just throwing a roll of duct tape underneath it, which sounds weird, but it was solid enough. Sounds um, Canadian. <laughs> yeah, very red green. 
Um, and then uh, I, I took some uh, I took some people from work out to the range, and one of them was shooting off of it, and uh, um, they were shooting a short barreled AR off of it, and uh, got a little bit too far back, and uh, the gas coming out of the uh, brake on this thing uh, ripped it ripped it to shreds, so uh, ripped the bag. Uh, so I chucked it, and uh, I've got this uh, shooting rest. This what is this? The Rock Junior. It's a Caldwell, like a cast steel base. Uh, dial it up and and, uh, and set it kind of a thing. So, is, is, does uh, this have a flash hider proof bag on it? No. Or is your friend no longer allowed to shoot off of your rest? <laughs> but he I can, can shoot off your old shoot. one, right? It totally sounds like something I would do to Matthew. <laughs> Yeah, in fact, let's revisit this for a minute, shall we? <laughs> hey, Matthew, can I shoot your steel gong? Of sure. course you can. With Ping. a twenty-two moron. <laughs> oh, my bad. Drill the hole right through it. Oh. Dead center. Dead center, though. It was a very nice shot. You'll never know when you get it dead center, because it'll just go right through. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I got one of those. Um, yeah, it looks, it's, it's kind of like heavy duty, and it, it's really, really solid. So um, I'm going to use that for the front, and then I've got a... Uh, a black, like a, a tube sock filled with beans for the rear <laughs> rest. Um, I've, I've got a real re- rear rest as well, but I find the the sock with the with beans in it is just a little bit more flexible. You can squeeze it and it'll raise up the rear of the butt, or you can let it go and then that'll drop the rear of the butt down. So you you can get your elevation dialed in really quickly with it. Uh, so use a bag to raise your butt. <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, bean bag. Yeah, bean bag butt. Um, Huh. I also I also bought uh I just got back from uh P and D just before actually I got on the show today. I, I stopped at P and D in Edmonton here and I, I picked up uh two thousand Cam Pro bullets. Um they didn't even have them out. I was I was looking for them last week, they were out and I came in uh today and they said, No, we got some in the back, so I got two thousand off them and I think uh after I get done with the show here tonight I'm gonna I'm gonna go maybe do some reloading and uh load up some more nine mil. How did you do on them? Were they like uh, I said, like ninety and one twenty? Yeah, they were one twelve each, I think. Yeah, yeah. Can't complain. That'll make for some cheap nine mil ammo. That's it for me. Cool. Well, I guess that brings us into yeah. It took me a second there to realize. Oh yeah, I'm lead host. <laughs> uh, brings us into upcoming events then. Um, first one is the sixth annual charity shoot in support of Soldier On, which will take place June 25th in Kingston, Ontario, at the Brockville District Fish and Game Club. If you're interested in attending that, contact New Shooter Canada, or you can check out the event's Facebook page. Uh, Handgun Fundamentals 1. Is that is that the name we're going with? Until we come up with a lame acronym, yes. Okay, so right now it's HFO. HFO. <laughs> it's, uh, it's in St. Paul, Alberta. It's on August 6, 2016. So we, we got a, a snide remark from somebody saying, oh, we're going back in time. They didn't notice that it's 2016, not no, 2015. that's because when I put it on Facebook, I messed up and put 2015. Ah, so it was your fault. Yeah, and then I, you know, I corrected it. <laughs> then you corrected it, but then his comment remained, confusing everybody else. Yes. <laughs> See what I did there. I see what you did there. It's uh, going to be about. Uh, it's going to be two hundred dollars a person. There are fifteen spots available. There are no longer fifteen spots available. By the way, really? Uh, it's um, yeah. I've got. Uh, let's see here. And we sell stuff out fast. We have <laughs> ten people signed up, ready to go. Uh, actually, eleven, probably twelve, maybe even thirteen. Okay. So yeah, these none of these people have paid yet. 
No, nobody's paid yet. So it is going to be a first paid, first come sort of event. And I, I believe we are ready to start. I, I think we have enough people to start taking money now, eh, Trev? Well, the last, yes, we are, yeah. we, we, um, the insurance, we haven't talked about this yet, but as instructors, you and I needed insurance. That's been taken care of. Yes, it has. We are now ready to roll. We can take your money. So what you will do is you will send an EMT to slamfireradio at gmail.com. And don't forget to send the password to your EMT as well. Uh, and good news, the instructors are not coming from America, so the price will not change. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> as as uh, happened with Tommy and uh, Daniel Shaw. But that's refund, not their fault. Refund Matthew is the same of all our classes. Yeah, if you, if, yeah, if you drop before. out. Yep. Yeah, um, We'll give you until a month before. So yeah, a month you, before. Yeah. If you cancel before July 6th, you'll receive a full refund. If you cancel after July 6th, we're keeping your money. That's right. So And filling your spot, and I'm using your money for beer. Uh, and me, Dr. Pepper. Yeah. So uh, it, we're going to be covering grip, stance, light, picture, trigger control, as well as all the basic manuals of arms. Uh, this is a Fundamentals 1 class. There will be, hopefully, a 2, and that will be bit more advanced and what we'll probably do is we'll we'll we'll, we'll judge how how the students are doing and and there may be some slightly more advanced things that happen if everybody's competent uh, we'll we'll be judging that as we go along also there will be a fun skills competition at the end for bragging rights so come on out and see if you can win I'm That'll thinking be fun. actually we should steal Tommy's know your limits if possible oh yeah yeah that's a good one so um so yeah you know, send an EMT, send us an email, let us know you're in. And uh, all the people who, who have sent their their information already, um, you know who you are. If uh, if you're in then, uh, and you want your spot to stay on the list, then send your EMT right away to make sure that your, your name stays on the list. Um, next one from Jason Philp. Uh, oh, yeah, we've covered this a couple times now. Some sort of shotgun event. They're going to be shooting some skeets uh, uh, in, with the shotguns, something. In Tuxin. Uh, in Tuxin. Skeets in Tuxin. Tuxin as... Yeah, so in foreign in for, it's be cold, man. Yeah, January. It's in Arizona. It's not going to be that cold. It's a joke. I'm trying oh. to imply that I don't know where Arizona is. Oh, right. Yeah. I'm sorry. I That's just okay. I just ran with the fact that I knew you probably didn't know where it was. <laughs> <laughs> I know where Tuxin is. <laughs> so it's called Foreign Invasion 2016 and it's in Coyote Springs in Tucson, Arizona. And uh, if you want more information on that, if you're kind of local to that area and you want to go shoot some shotguns at some skeets, you can go to coyotespringclays.com, coyotespringsclays.com. So uh, check that out. So I guess that brings us into the news. And uh, we have some news here. I, I, just, I just see titles, though. So whoever put in the titles, go ahead. You must know the story behind it. I don't know that much. I I, I popped in the uh, Canadian Patriot uh, podcast starting, but uh, Trevor, it sounds like you had more information about that than I do. Well, it's um, Andrew, 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 Andrew. What is Andrew's last name? I don't remember. Sorry, Andrew. Um, Andrew uh, Bolivar actually turned me on to this. And uh, so Andrew, I believe, would be from the Ontario area, started a new show called Canadian Patriot podcast uh not on itunes as of yet but i'm sure all of that will come in the in the um in the future if uh if you want to give them a listen uh you could just try googling it if if all else fails and you can't find the show facebook me and i'll send you a link to episode one and the first episode was a big one they had uh, sean bevins on and tyler from liberty or death podcast um 
Was there a third guess? Geez, I was just listening to it this afternoon. Anyway, so far so good. You know how most first episodes suck? Well, the, <laughs> yes, I one, do. <laughs> this one breaks the rule. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, they hit the ground running, and, and uh, I, I, you know, if things keep going the way they are, I, I think it's going to become one of my f- uh, favorite podcasts really quickly. Awesome. That's really good. That's Canadian Patriot Podcasts.com. So but hopefully, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's stuck on me. No, hopefully, <laughs> we'll, we'll have Andrew at the charity shoot. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, the, this next piece here, this is from my neck of the woods. Um, the uh, Spruce Grove shooting range is getting shut down. So um, this is a shooting range here that's uh, that's kind of close to Edmonton, just a little bit west. And uh, they, they've they been there forever. And uh, there was a new subdivision put in a while ago. And that subdivision has been complaining about the noise. And, uh, Who was there first? Oh, the shooting, the shoot, the shooting range was there first. Exactly. Easily. So go yep. away. Like I, I bought a house next to a train track. I've yet to complain about the sound of a train. Do you know yep. why? Because the train track was there before you moved I, in. And I knew that when I bought the house. So yeah. it's like, mm-hmm. don't be a dink. Well, they, they were. And, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> they were. And, and, you know, the, the thing that happened was, um, Andrew had- Vincent. Sorry. It just hit me. Who? <laughs> and, Andrew Vincent. He's the, uh, the host of uh, Canadian Patriot Podcast. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, squirrel there. Uh, yeah, so the the, the count the people the residents of of that uh, division have been putting pressure on the county, and the county had been getting the range to do all sorts of silly things to try to comply. And the range had been complying, um, but most recently here, the county is ro- revoking their permit and shutting them down. So. Uh, that's a that's a big range. That's one of the and it's it's a really nice range and uh, and they're shutting down. Um, the range that I shoot at Chaz is uh, is south of the Spruce Grove shooting range, and I'd imagine that we're going to get a huge amount of uh, the shooters that would go go there uh, down to our club. So it's it's sad to see because it was a really great shooting range. They were there first, um, and now they're getting shut down because of some nimbies. Not in my backyard, right? Yeah, yeah. That's terrible. I hate it when ranges get shut down for stupid reasons like that. Well, you know, if if they let us shoot with suppressors, maybe the range wouldn't yep. be so loud. Yep. Here, here, here. I love it. It's a great idea. Dumb. All right. Well, I guess we'll move on to our main topic then. And uh, for our main topic, we have a very special guest. So welcome back to the show, Owen Flewelling. Hi, guys. <laughs> hey, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> You're not really our main topic, by the way. Yeah, I know. We have to have a second main topic now. Yeah, we got two main topics. Oh, man. Hey, man. How's everybody doing? Good, man. Welcome Good. back. How are you? Sorry, new guy. You can yeah, go now. You're out. Click. <laughs> Goodbye, Adriel. That's so mean. I'm such a dink. Funny, though. Eh, I don't hear Adriel laugh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Owen, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Cool. Yeah, I um, just finished. I just finished putting on an experimental batch of apple cider vinegar. I was just going to say you must have a prepper's corner for us. What <laughs> I, I did see your late your latest on how how to commit mass murder. Uh, That's sure. The chicken killing one. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what did I write about? Yeah. <laughs> Crap! What did I write? <laughs> Am I sleep typing again? <laughs> 
<laughs> no, no, no. Your uh, your your setup for for processing chickens that was really cool. I enjoyed reading that one. But uh, yeah, so so tell us about this apple cider you're making. Well, I made apple cider a few weeks ago. Yes, oh, and it was very ready? good. I had some airplanes. Uh, yeah. Now apple cider. And well, I made my own press. I'm, come on. Like I'm glad you're back and all, but really apple <laughs> cider. What's wrong with and apple cider? That's terribly gun related. Uh, just carry on, carry on. Maybe we use then, it for lubricating well, my gun. I'm just going to say, just just be patient with me because. So we didn't save any of the the sort of scraps from that, but then my in-laws wanted to borrow the press, so they did today, and we got all of their apple scraps. So after they press, you know, all the everything got all ground up. That came back to my house. So what I'm attempting to do is make apple scrap vinegar. So it's make sort of what like kind of vinegar? Making. It's well, like it's it's not true apple cider vinegar because we're not using actual apple cider, but we're oh, okay. we're extracting every last little bit of goodness out of, of the apples that we made the apple cider out of by so putting them in water and putting in some sugar and and uh, basically allowing all the natural yeasts in the uh, peel to start fermenting and eating up all the sugar we put in, and then in theory it creates alcohol, but what we don't do, which you, you would do if you were brewing, is you would seal it so that the air can get out, but nothing can get in, right? CO2 can go out, but nothing can get in. This we just put, I used uh, just some muslin uh, bags over the top so that the air can go back and forth. And what happens is that alcohol, after it, when it ferments, it then continues to work and turns into acetic acid. So it becomes, and it'll become vinegar. Huh. In, in theory. So um, lots of people do this, but we'll see if it works for us because there's a lot of variables. Interesting. Yeah. And I bet you could probably clean your guns with apple cider vinegar. <laughs> and this would be organic raw apple cider vinegar, which will also cure your colds and probably everything else that ails you. And there's a lot, Trevor, that ails you. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could use it to shine up your brass, right? Yes. I, yes, you could. Absolutely. There, gun related. There, you did it. You <laughs> snuck it in. Good one. All right. Well, why don't we talk with uh, with our real main topic now, which is uh, we we talk with Rod Giltaka of the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights. Joining us now, we have Rod Giltaka. How you doing, Rod? Good. Thanks for having me on, guys. You're back. I'm back. Yes. You're a semi regular now. <laughs> You've been on here what three, four times now. Three that, times that, in two years, yeah. That's more than the new guy so far. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't remember getting a submission from you, Rod. I'm not going to take that personally. but I uh, am. I already have. <laughs> Matthew, you take everything personally. <laughs> well, Rod, uh, I'm going to jump right in here. We asked you to come on this week because, as a lot of our regular listeners would know, the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights went live just last week and we've started to take memberships the website is up and running and people can now join this new canadian pro-gun organization and so we thought what you know that now's the time to get rod on to um talk a little bit about the association who the canadian who the canadian coalition for firearms rights um people are what the goal of our new association is the mission statement our values um, and just kind of, you know, answer some questions and uh, give you an opportunity to uh, to tell the listeners, you know, what's new, what's exciting, and, and where we hope to go with the uh, Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights. 
Sounds great. Well, Rod, why don't we, right off the bat, why don't we start off by saying, you know, how can someone join? Well, uh, that's relatively easy at this point. They just need to go to www.firearmrights.ca. So that's firearm, singular, rights.ca. And uh, just click on membership. Uh, and so we're open for memberships and donations. So there's a couple of opportunities to help us achieve our mission. Excellent. Um, and I'm looking at the website right now. It's very well laid out right across the front. Three nice big links, banners to click on, become a member, donate, volunteer. Very well laid out. Lots of nice graphics, lots of pictures flowing across the uh, screen there showing uh, some of my, oh, AR, there you go. Some of my favorite firearms. Awesome. Um, so Rod, uh, we had a, we've, we, you know, it's, Pretty exciting. The response has been positive. Um, what kind of things can you tell us about the uh, the response to this association in general? You know, maybe some of the things that were uh, being talked about or said before we went live, and, and now that we are live, what kind of things are you experiencing and seeing and hearing? Well, as far as the response from when we actually turned the uh, the site on uh, was was excellent. Like that first weekend was beyond our expectations, which is which is great. It's really exciting. Um, anytime you, even if, even in business, right? Anytime you start something new, you have no idea how it's going to be received. You always got some, some early adopters and people that are excited and people that believe in the cause. And you have some detractors, certainly, as you guys know, in the, uh, firearms community, there's always a few of those and they're very vocal. Um, but, uh, we didn't know how it was going to go over and it's, it's been, it's been excellent. And I'll, I'll share a little anecdote if, uh, if you're interested about that. Absolutely. So Serge LaChapelle, he's uh, our web guy, um, you know, very well-respected uh, gun owner in, in Quebec, awesome guy. Uh, he built our entire infrastructure, you know, IT infrastructure himself uh, as a volunteer, which is, you know, I've said it on Facebook, you know, multiple times, you know, the guy's my personal hero. So anyway, he's done all this work uh, and created this infrastructure. And I was on the phone with him on last Friday night at... What was it? It was 1 a.m. Pacific. So that was 4 a.m. his time, right? Because he's in the Eastern time zone. Yeah, and, he put in a heck of a day. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, And that's not the first one. He probably put in about, uh, you know, 15 of those. So anyway, we're sitting on there and he's like, okay, are you, you know, we had gone through the website as best we could. The website's not perfect, but, you know, we've, <laughs> we've, we've worked ourselves to death and certainly Sarah's. But um, we, uh, we finally got this thing running and he goes, okay, are you ready to go live? And I said, okay, good. And we threw the switch. So this is, like I say, right? Eastern time, four in the morning, maybe four, 10. And uh, he's like, okay, I'm going to buy myself a membership online. I'm like, okay. And he goes, all right, it sent me the receipt, but it didn't send me the, the CCFR receipt. So he's in there looking around. He's like, what the heck is this? Who's, and he says some guy's name. And I'm like, I don't know who that is. He goes, somebody bought a membership. I'm like, oh, okay. And he goes, oh, he goes, there's another one. <laughs> and people are buying membership and I, you know and i'm like what are they on the website just hitting refresh all night every night or what like nobody knew that we were going live that night and we by the morning uh we sold 44 memberships <laughs> overnight like in the middle of the night in the middle of the night yeah people yeah. literally it's it, i mean how else unless they were literally kind of surfing the website and waiting um i know that people are pretty excited now that the local government is in and they're you know they're scrambling and they, they want to have their voice heard and, and strength in numbers and all that. But I mean, to within the first 
you know, 10 minutes of the site going live, getting two, two, two members when it wasn't even advertised is uh, unheard of. Yeah, it was something. So anyway, it, uh, it really took off the next day. And by the end of the weekend, it was, uh, we were well on our way. And um, yeah, that's, I, I don't have permission to, uh, to throw any numbers out there because I haven't discussed that with the board or any of the officers, and, but, uh, but we're well on our way. And geez, Rod, uh, let me apologize. I'm not even sure if we mentioned exactly your role. Uh, I'm not sure if I introduced you. I know. I don't think I introduced you as the president of the Canadian Coalition for Arms Rights. As I said earlier, a lot of the regular listeners are up to speed on this. But for those who maybe uh, are unfamiliar with the new association or yourself, you are, in fact, the uh, the president. So that uh, that clearly means you're paid the, the highest salary in our association, correct? <laughs> That's correct. Um, well, I think we're you. You and I are being paid. Uh, you know, we're in parity uh, at yeah. zero. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> nothing divided by nothing. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think I think uh, Trevor, you had demanded to make as much as the president to come on board, and and That's- we. we- Finally, acquiesced to get your name on the on the docket. I knew I knew you guys would bend eventually. Because <laughs> yeah. I mean, right? Yeah. So, well, um, let's talk about you know what's unique about the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights. Why do we exist? What are what's what separates us from the other associations? Well, that's uh, that's a uh, very important question that most people should know the answer to if they uh, decide to to get a membership or do or uh, provide a donation. And that also lends itself to another question. Sorry, we're going to say something. Yeah, well, I was going to say I was probably going to say the other question that you're about to say, and and that is, okay, what's unique about us? But maybe more importantly, the two questions kind of coincide. Why do we need another one? Exactly, exactly. So those are two interlinked questions, and the answer is is that um, I think certainly I've identified um, something, uh, an, an organizational task that has never been addressed by anyone in our activist community. It's something that we address as individuals, um, but never as, a, as an organization. And that is to reach out to the non-gun owning uh, Canadian out there and teach them uh, or inform them um, about what the, the laws actually are. And I do keep using the same analogy. And in this video that is now rendered over on my other machine uh, that I'll upload today before I run out uh, to, a, to a range event, but in the video, I use the same analogy as I keep using, which is if you if you were to uh, hop out of your vehicle in any urban center in Canada, uh, walk up to someone's, ask them if they own a firearm, they'll probably reply no, because there's only two million of us. Um, and then if you said, well, do you think we should uh, loosen restrictions on handguns? They're going to say absolutely not, because criminals already have an easy enough time getting a hold of handguns. And then if you followed that question up with, well, do you know what the restrictions currently are? They would say no. And that's that's been a, a problem for us, probably one of the biggest problems, uh, at least in my assessment, since the beginning, because it's as, as someone once told me, gun control, support for gun control is a mile wide and an inch deep. Most people that that instinctually or uh, intuitively support gun control have no idea <laughs> about things like, you know, a gun owner facing two years in federal prison for forgetting their wallet at all. So I think if people really knew a little bit more about the gun issue, there wouldn't be as much support for it. So that's really our mandate is to do something that no one's ever done. Um, you know, everybody measures, sorry to go on and on, but this is important. But I think a lot of, a lot of firearm organizations and people that participate in them measure their success in different ways. And this is why we've had this problem. 
I've been talking to so many people that measure their success in, well, look how many members we have, or look at how many, how much money we raise from this contest, or, you know, or look how many letters we wrote. Well, that's great. And that's being done. And, and maybe it needs to be done. But the problem is you still have all of the millions and millions of Canadians that are against you that are sitting there really looking for a reason why. And if, if political parties didn't think that they would get votes by, you know, regurgitating the same misinformation, by fooling all these people that don't know anything about gun control, they wouldn't do it anymore. So our job is to inform the Canadian public and therefore reduce that opposition and therefore make it less appealing for, you know, uh, political parties, let's say the liberals, to come up with gun control measures because most people would know better. I don't know if I explained that right. But does that make sense? Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. And you're right. It is something that we as individuals do all the time. We try and educate the non-gun owning um populace and we know that uh, some of them will never come to our side but there are a lot of them that are in the middle on the fence and we want to sway them through education before they get swayed through cbc fear-mongering and actually tell them what gun control really is and what is actually already in place and you're and again i don't think anyone has ever taken that approach before uh, a lot of the other you know organizations preach to the choir and we already have gunnies it's to prevent more antis and potentially create more gunnies. I think, am I correct? Is that where you're going with this? Yeah, and that's, I, that's definitely one way to explain it. And, and you know what's interesting because, of course, in our community, we have some very volatile personalities. And when we started this whole CCFR idea, you know, right away we had a couple people run in and just, you know, start tearing up the place. It's like, ah, oh, this is ridiculous. And, you know, uh, if you're not uh, hardcore enough, you're just an appeaser and you're damaging us. Well, we haven't really got any results. We've got a couple of things, but certainly we need to, we need to make sure that there's, there's less opposition. And, you know, it's funny, I've said before, I'm not sure that this strategy will work because I'm not sure nobody's ever tried it, but I can't help but think that when, you know, we create, uh, I don't know, a hundred thousand uh, people that used to be undecided that go, yeah, I know the truth about guns. I read it. I read the law myself. You know, maybe I ran into the CCFR and they were the ones that showed me. And, you know what? I think my my political party is being disingenuous to me by trying to scare me. And so is CBC, because I already know the regulation and none of it has a uh, a relationship to public safety. All of a sudden, that issue becomes an unattractive or a meaningless issue for a political party to be putting out front. Even if you looked at the, the liberals platform, it's pretty wishy-washy. There's some things that, that would strike fear into you, like reclassification and whatnot. But that that those party platform items wouldn't be there if they didn't think they resonated with people. So if we had people fanned out there in the non-gun owning community that said that would engage other, you know, potential antis, hey, you know what? Maybe you're getting bad information, but you should see what it takes to get a handgun today. Forget, you know, forget about more more regulation and, and criminals still get them. So it's not working. You know, that'll change the, the atmosphere and might even pave the way for for change that's beneficial to us. Well, I think yeah. uh, one of the things that you really have working for you now is that there are uh, a lot more platforms. Like, in, and I think you've you've taken a really a, a, an excellent position on YouTube. There are platforms out there that let you get your message out um, at a at a cheaper rate than before. We don't have to take out a bunch of TV commercials. We can we can affect change on a on a mass scale um, using a lot of these different these newer platforms that are online and uh, and engage a lot of people and and you know, get, tell them the straight goods on, uh, on how things are right now. Well, absolutely. And, and in the video that, uh, that I just uh, finished, I don't know why it was such a difficult video, but it's like 
200 takes. It took me like a day. Uh, maybe I'm just not so good at this stuff. But anyway, in the, in the video, I actually revealed a little bit of our plan. I didn't ask anybody. So Trevor will be mad. Um, but yeah, you, know, you know, easily I get bent out of shape, hit the go button, free coat. Yeah. <laughs> but this is, this is actually part of the plan because YouTube, uh, is extremely accessible and, and really reasonably priced as far as getting your message out. And you, you have a lot of control over the demographic that sees your, let's say the 15 second ads. And so you have that aspect available to us. We have Twitter, we have video ads on Facebook. We have regular text ads on Facebook. We can go through social media and fan right out quite effectively and quite inexpensively into the general Canadian public, not the gun owning public, the general public. And if we got big enough, fast enough, we could actually go to national television. If, you know, that's, that's obviously pie in the sky, but you know, we, we can be very effective. And as I said, I think the biggest thing uh, to consider in this whole CCFR thing and in our conversation is it's never been done ever. We do it personally. We believe in it, but we've never believed in it on mass. That's what we got to do. I like it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it just coming back to what you said about when we were, were just, you know, born on Facebook and, and cutting our teeth on Facebook. Unbelievable. The amount of um, resistance that we got from some of our own in the beginning. You know, and, and you're some of the things that they were saying, well, you're not, you're not, uh, for lack of a better term, militant enough. So it's not going to work. And I'm like, wow, just unbelievable how, uh, some people don't want to see other people succeed. <laughs> it was, uh, it was disheartening. I got to tell you. It's, uh, that's a difficult thing to deal with. Um, I've, I learned a few lessons on social media, uh, earlier. And I took those lessons to heart and went, you know what? You're, you're always going to have haters. You're always going to have people that are just negative. They're, they got issues in their own life and that comes out in their, in their ideology. But one of the big things that we've had to overcome is the, is the no compromise situation, right? And, um, you know, it's, did, go ahead, Trevor. I was going to, no, no, I was, I was going to make a pretty facetious comment and say, how did that work out for them in the end? Well, yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm not, you know, my, my position is not to, to stomp on people. Um, no. certainly they're trying to certainly, and I can say this with all confidence, certainly they try to stomp on us. Um, these, you know, few people, it's only a handful of people, right? Um, but they're just, you know, like, okay, well, if you admit that, that licensing is okay, or you admit that, that training's okay, you know, we've lost everything. Well, you know, people don't realize, and they always compare us to the states. So it doesn't, Comparing our, our situation to the states doesn't work in gun violence numbers, and it doesn't work in, in what works politically either, because it's a completely different situation. In the states, they don't have regulations, and they're trying to prevent those regulations from happening. We've already lost everything, and we're trying to crawl back, and it's an extremely different situation. So, you know, um, yeah, the no compromise thing uh, netted us zero results. Um, you know, I... Uh. Politically, perhaps, but I will say this, it, it motivated and, um, it brought gun owners together under a common flag and people in social media were banding together. If somebody had the no compromise image as a profile picture, they were automatically friended and people were getting together and talking. So there was that. Now, did it, it didn't, it didn't really get us anything, uh, as far as, reversing something or rights or or privileges back but it did fire up gun owners and i'm hoping that we can bring the same kind of 
positive impact to the community where people get excited again and want to be cohesive again and work together towards something positive for us in the end. Well, you're right. And, and the no compromise, no, and, and yeah, you're absolutely right. Cause the no compromise thing itself drew me in when the, when the NFA came out, came out with that and we had that reclassification, you know, I gravitated to that and I jumped on board. I supported them for, for about five months. So right away I, and I don't know if you're, I mean, I think you're familiar before I wasn't political before the reclassification or I was, I was political, but I was trying to keep it off my channel. And right away, I just went, okay, well, it's, it's on. Like, you know, we can't just sit back sit back. Well, yeah, we just, we really don't have the choice to sit back and not be political. And so it did do a good job of bringing everybody together, but we just didn't, we didn't get any changes in regulation. And I think the biggest thing for people to consider when they're saying, well, you know what? I want a full repeal of the firearms act and no licensing and machine guns for everybody or nothing. You know, everybody's willing to give you nothing. No problem. Um, You know, and that's and that's the that's the issue. And then all of a sudden the, the conversation shut down. So yeah. I, it might be useful and I'll leave it up to you, but it might be useful to talk about those uh, couple of policies and the reason why they are the way they are. Yeah. And, and I think um, the Canadian Coalition Firearms Rights is um, being realistic and looking at what we have and looking at what we can realistically get over time. And it's certainly not an all or nothing attitude that we're going forward with. And that's why I believe we will ultimately be successful in overturning some things and getting some things back. So let's um, let's move into the structure of the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights, Rod, and um, talk about who's working for us right now, how they came to be there, and... Um, and, and, and where we're going to go from there and uh, paid employees, volunteers, stuff like that. So, so what, what is our structure? How are we put together? Who's doing the work? Well, right now we have a board of directors um, and everyone's a volunteer. So we have a board of directors. We have uh, the corporate officers and that's part of the actual nonprofit society structure. I'm not an expert in those matters, <laughs> but we have, uh, we have people that are. Um, and then we have field officers. And then on top of that, we will have uh, other volunteers. So the, you know, one, I, I think that there is a unique um, opportunity that exists right now. If I haven't mentioned already, it's been a bit of a conversation. I've been going all day, but right now with the CCFR, I told you a little bit about our plans. Those types of plans take money. They take resources, but at this point we're all volunteer. And so we have no overhead. So, you know, if someone donates, you know, $10 to us, you know, $9.50 is going to go to buying airtime or YouTube ads or any of these other things. So it's, we have a unique opportunity here while we're still all volunteer before it gets too big, too fast to actually use that, that capital that we're getting in to make this huge splash. Um, you know, in this, basically it's a vehicle to, to, to fulfill our mission. So it is kind of a unique opportunity. And I, you know, people have to understand that, that, overhead that former uh, formal structure uh, will of course come in time we're not going to be uh, renting office space on young street anytime soon to have our headquarters we're, we're not there yet we you know in time who knows how large we'll be and how structured we'll become but you're right right now it's uh it's great the money is going to get reinvested back into the organization and and not put into uh, salaries. And I think when you're doing something as a volunteer, you take more to the table because you want to be there. Not paid to be there, you want to be there. So you're you're going to put your best foot forward. If you didn't want to put your best foot forward, 
you wouldn't be there because you're not being paid to be there. You're, you're there because you want to be. And I think that's going to make a difference. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, we're very fortunate with the people that we've gotten. And, uh, you know, I was just saying uh, a couple of days ago uh, to someone when I was telling them about the, the CCFR and I just mentioned um, about the quality of the people that have come together. You know, I, I didn't think that um, I had a hard time finding a group that I I could really just beamingly, if that's a real word, <laughs> just sure. talk about these people and and how honored I was to work with them. But the CCFR is, is a really great group. I mean, it's been a struggle. Don't get me don't get me wrong, because to do anything that's remarkable takes a tremendous amount of effort. And most people most people don't have that level of effort or that level of commitment. That's why there's not 10 new organizations that are all where we're at today and doing the same thing. It's difficult to do, but uh, I'm really honored to work with everybody who's involved. And, and um, yeah, it's been, it's been a good, a tough experience, but it's been a really good experience so far. Where, go, uh, oh, sorry, somebody. Yeah. Um, you, Rod, just uh, like I was, I was going to ask if, um, if the CCFR, was going to be nonpartisan. That is, uh, would would work with all parties. But it, it kind of sounds like uh, your target uh, market, I guess, that the people you're aiming to influence, you're not you're not even aiming for political parties. You're aiming for the general populace. So, I guess uh, I guess that kind of answers my question because it sounds like you'll be like hitting the the non gun owning public as uh, at large, right? Yeah, it's it's almost like a cut out the middleman approach. Um, there's a couple of different ways to get legislative change and, you know, it's, it's not an easy process. So what a, a lot of, uh, firearm organizations, you know, the traditional model thinks is, okay, we'll raise a bunch of money. We'll hire a lobbyist and we'll have a guy that's, you know, taking MPs out for dinner and drinking with them, uh, you know, uh, a week, a month and, and then doing some other tasks the rest of the time. And that's how you get legislative change. Well, the problem is, is that that government changes every four years. So in our case, we had uh, we had a government that was now now I'm doing air quotes. You can't see me doing it, but there's air quotes happening <laughs> was friendly to gun owners. Um, I think people need to think long and how hard how friendly they were and then put contrast to that was the friendliest government we've ever had, basically, to firearm owners. But nonetheless, we worked with the conservatives. Uh, we got some changes and certainly the. Uh, the ending of the long gun registry was more valuable, I think, than most people realize. It was an incredibly valuable thing. But other than that, nothing, not even magazine size restrictions. Um, so of, of all the progress we thought we made with the with the conservatives, their time ran out. Now you get a brand new government. You're back to square one. In fact, this government is not not friendly to firearm owners. So when I looked, you know, when I look at firearm organizations, if, if we're going to solve our problem, again, we're going to have to go to the head of the train. To make it that, that the public isn't afraid of firearms, that they know what the regulations are. They know that, that, uh, that oppressing, further oppressing lawful gun owners is not going to have any impact on gun crime. And that way the, the party itself can recognize that. So to me, it's almost like you need public awareness first so that the party realizes what's important and goes, well, gun, gun issues aren't important. And then you can go to the party after and say, listen, we can help you. Uh, we can help you sell this to your uh, to your constituents. This new regulation that we're looking for, this this repealing of this or that, um, and then we can work with you now. And we know that it's not going to cost you votes. So, as far as the CCFR is concerned, I think it's we do our PR stuff. We work with the public. We try to change the awareness of of what's going on there. And then, depending on our resources, maybe we can look at lobbying after. But I'll, let me just end it with this: 
is that the lobbying part is already being done. And the CSSA does a great job of that. And that's something that would be last on our list because it's, it is already being done by somebody. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, I think your aim of hitting the general public is, is absolutely the right thing to do right now. And that, and that also speaks to, okay, well, why do we need multiple organizations? Well, why can't we just have one big 800 pound gorilla in the room? There's a prime example. What the CSSA is doing, you know, we often hear they're working behind the scenes. Well, in fact, they have gotten things done behind the scenes and credit needs to be given where credit is due and let them do that. And let's do something else that also benefits us. I think it's brilliant. Well, and it, and it actually benefits the CSSA too, right? Because, yep. you know, as I mentioned in another conversation, I said, you know, I'd, I'd be happy to, to, for us to do our work, uh, for us to feel like we're successful for the, for the community to support us and for us to accomplish our mission. And then all of a sudden the CSSA's work becomes a little bit easier and they start to get changed. Yeah. You know, I don't care who gets the credit. I just don't want somebody taking my firearms. You know, that's, that's what I'm in it for. Exactly. Whatever, you know, that's one thing that I've often said before I was really involved in the pro gun orgs in Canada is that although they all take a different approach, they all have the same common goal. And that's to get you more rights, privileges and, fr- privileges and freedoms for your firearms. So why not support them all? They all have you in mind. They don't mm-hmm. all get there the same way and they all take different approaches. But ultimately, they only exist to help you. At the end of the day, that's that's why I'm volunteering. That's why you're volunteering. It's, it's a little self-serving. We want to protect our own guns. But if I protect Trevor's guns, I also protect Matthew's guns and Adriel's guns and Owen's guns. And, you know, it's good for me. It's good for you guys. Well, you know, the rising tide raises all ships, right? And and this is yeah. uh this yeah, this is no no exception. And as far as one giant eight hundred pound gorilla, there's there's nothing that says that we can't act as a group as well. And and I've reached out already to uh to groups and um so they know the offers out there and so if they're if they want to work together, we're more than happy to pool our resources when it comes to, you know, uh petitions or to support a new bill. Um, or to take, uh, take action. If we have a, a call to action, like there's a reclassification happening. Hey, we need everybody. No problem. Like we're, that's, that's what our organization is. So as detached as it, as it may seem to some folks, it actually isn't anywhere near as detached. No, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you can, you can go good cop, bad cop as well, right? I mean, you can, you can have the CCFR focused on um, educating the public, and then you can have your other organizations lobbying uh, politicians and doing what they need to do on that end of things. So, no, it, it the, the the separation is is positive. It's it makes seems to make sense. Mm-hmm. Well, Rod, we're going to uh, start to close up here. Um, we'll definitely have you back in the future. But before we do, uh, something that I just threw in here: what kinds of memberships do we offer? Like, if somebody joins. I know you and I have talked about this before here on Slamfire, where out here when I try and get somebody to join, the first thing they say is, well, what's in it for me? What do I get out of it? I'm going to pay $40 for a plastic card. What am I getting out of this? You know, um, So are, are we offering insurance? Are we offering family rates? Are we offering club insurance? Club, what's what are we doing with regards to that? It's funny you should ask. I find out. <laughs> you know, it's when we were when we were starting this whole thing, we actually had an interesting debate about that because uh we had some folks in the room that said, "Hey, you know, don't even bother doing this on, you know, unless you can offer insurance." Um and, you know, my idea in the whole thing was, let's demonstrate that 
that people's money is going to changing the public perception about firearm owners because that's going to be our niche. So that's where we're going to send our money, not to insurance companies. Uh, but we did end up investigating that and we, we actually swung a really great deal on insurance. So we, we do have uh, basic insurance. Uh, I think it's $5 million. I'm not sure of the details, uh, but it's very comparable to all the other insurance packages that you'd find uh, being part of a, a firearm organization. And then we were also able to swing an excellent deal for legal defense insurance. And I'm sure most, most people have seen that around when you go into a gun shop or whatever. There's some, some pamphlets there. We, uh, we ended up getting a great price on that for our, uh, for our members and also legal advice insurance. And I uh, can't. Probably, sorry, it's probably the same legal advice insurance, um, not legal advice or legal insurance that I purchased um, when I renewed my CSSA membership. I mean, there's only one or two insurance providers in the country that are providing insurance to uh, firearms users and and sports shooters and stuff. So they, ultimately, I think it all comes from the same people. Yeah, absolutely. And so we were able to secure some good deals there, uh, and just pass that straight across. Uh, well, so the there. there Mm-hmm. Sorry, but the legal the legal advice is a big one. You know, you join the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights, and we're offering you uh, access to legal advice. That's that's pretty significant. Yeah, unlimited legal advice. So what is it? Fourteen dollars a year or something? Yep. Yeah. So that that's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of value there, and in fact, we sold a lot of insurance <laughs> in the last five days. Well, yeah. I th- and, and and that's and I think it's unfortunate that we live in this climate, but the um, the legal system that we have in Canada has kind of forced us to need that when we, when we see what happens to a Canadian who's um, punished through process here in Canada, if ever they're involved in some kind of shooting, um, we, we see that this is something that is definitely a need in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's a little complex. I mean, you obviously can defend yourself with a firearm in Canada. You always could, but, uh, the legal system is is not easy to navigate through. So no, yeah, and they would uh, like you to believe that you can't, but you can. So yeah, well, there's that's you know that's actually a funny thing because um, some folks have been sensitive to the fact that uh, we believe that uh, self defense should be a legitimate reason to own a firearm. So some of the more uh, laid back firearm owners owners out there are like, oh, why why are you pursuing that as a policy? And it's like, well, read the Firearms Act. It's actually in there that that's a legitimate reason to own a firearm and possess a firearm, but the bureau, the bureaucracy, it's the bureaucrats that said that it's not contrary to the legislation. So again, another example of why some reforms are needed, obviously. Definitely. Well, before we let you go, Rod, um, one more time, how can people find us and how can they sign up and become members of the uh, CCFR? Well, they can go straight to www.firearmrights.ca and they can sign up there. Uh, there's also an opportunity to uh, volunteer as well. And concerning the volunteers, let me throw this out there real quick. Uh, this is in the video that I'm going to upload uh, today as well. But uh, for all the people that have stepped up and said that they'll, they're willing to help and that they want to help, uh, we truly appreciate it. It's been overwhelming in the last few days, so it may take a few days for us to get back to you. But definitely, if you have any kind of skill, whether it's desktop publishing, video, audio stuff, uh, podcasting, right, guys? Uh, anything. Uh, Want to work at a gun show, um, web web uh, services, anything. Uh, just let us know, and you can uh, you can email us uh, at the email address that you'll find on the website as well. Excellent. And uh, well, that's great, Rod. I look forward to having you back on in hopefully the not too distant future to give us an update on on how we're doing. 
Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. Thanks, Rod. Once again, I just want to thank Rod for joining us. It was, a, uh, as always, a pleasure to have him on. And uh, I, I didn't really talk to him a whole lot, but Trevor, you guys seem to have a good conversation and a lot of stuff got covered. So uh, just thanks again to Rod for coming on. And Trevor, good job interviewing him, man. You're getting good at that. It's like you've done this before. Yeah, I wasn't even sure if you were still with us. I thought you pulled an Owen and left the show. <laughs> I just left. I'm done. I'm out of here. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's Rod. Trevor, take it away. Bye. Yeah, next thing you know, Matthew's watching an episode of Doctor Who with Jewel. How did you know? I know you. (laughs) All right, well, let's move into some listener feedback, and it sounds like Owen's still with us. So, Owen, why don't you bring us his first one from Alex? This is what you do to all your friends, invite them over, and then make them work? Yes. (laughs) Is that what you do to him when he goes down to your place? Yes. Good point. Uh But he's not really a friend. Aww. (laughs) Colleague. Somebody's <laughs> getting hung up on. Partner. Oh. Uh, Your broken hearted okay. partner is what he is now. <laughs> You're more like family, Matthew. Oh, Bullcrap. <laughs> In fairness, I treat Matthew better than family, but <laughs> you'd understand if you met my family, which Matthew has. Yes, I have. Awkward. Carry on. <laughs> okay, I'll read the first one if you want. Oh, 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 how nice of you. Thanks. <laughs> my name is Alex. That's what this person says, not me. I'm not Alex. I'm Owen. Right. This person says, my name is Alex. I work for X Metal Targets, and I am listening to episode 127 of Slamfire and 128, like I always do on Friday. Uh, thanks for the good words. We really appreciate it. Looking forward to see you next year, and keep up the good work. Hope that black plastic stock SKS coming along nicely, Trevor. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, how, how long have I been gone and the jokes are still the same? Same jokes. <laughs> and yeah, I almost still- bought one, Owen. <laughs> I, or- I-, I ordered a well, case of ammo. I- <laughs> man, no, I literally, after work, I ordered a case of ammo at work because that's what teachers do. And um, <laughs> then I drove straight to Canadian Tire and I stood outside the case looking at a laminate stocked SKS and a plain birch stock SKS for a long time and thankfully nobody came around and i think i called john allen and uh he talked me down or i talked myself down i can't anyway i left without it <laughs> but my birthday <laughs> yes thank you Adriel. that's exactly what i did talk me out of this um the the wife says that she'll buy me uh, an sks for my birthday now i'm really torn because a i don't want an sks and b do i want the first firearm that my wife buys me to be an sks i I don't know what to do. <laughs> You'd have to She's like, yeah, your birthday's coming, so if you want it, I'll buy it for you. And yeah, that's the other thing, Adriel. Like, if she buys it for me, like, oh, I kind of have to keep it. Oh, God. Yeah, you, you kind of want to have that one ready to be chucked out the door. You don't want it to be like a sentimental rifle because yeah. you might want to just like, oh, crap, you know, somebody's coming over from NEA. I got to get rid of this commie gun before, you know, somebody who, you know, has liberty in their name or something comes into the door. You know, you don't want to show off that. So you got to yeah, be ready to ditch it. Like, why is your SKS going inside that PVC pipe? I, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny. All right. Yeah, I don't know what to do. Tell What to tell you, Trevor. Um, buy it or don't, I guess. So uh, while you're life. while you're thinking of of trying to figure out how to make up your mind, why don't you bring us this next email from Wes? Actually, I was going to say before I do that, back to X Mental Targets. Oh listen, yes, it's it's our pleasure to promote X Mental Targets on this website. They don't give us anything, they don't sponsor the show, but we like them because they are legit 
excellent products and awesome guys. So if you're looking for AR500 targets, Adriel has at least one, right, Adriel? Yeah, two. I've got videos, too, on like some slow-mo of them getting shot and all that kind of stuff on my YouTube awesome. channel. And my club has a, an amazing dueling tree. Matthew, you and I have beat that thing like it owed us money. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's AR500. We stood back, and even though it was bought for pistol, we stood back and, and hit it with uh, 5.56 rounds from 50 meters. No damage. So it's, uh, you know, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quality product. Yeah, if you're in the market for your own personal targets or you want to outfit your club, definitely check them out. Yep. Uh, this next one comes to us from Wes. Wes says, I watched your election results with trepidation. I'm sorry. I nailed that. You I know. That? I was about to congratulate you, but then I knew I'd get in trouble for interrupting you. So. Would, you know what? And normally I would say that would be too condescending, but hey, man, trepidation, I would take that compliment. You, dude, you nailed that. Thanks, Soft buddy. Clap. How how long did you practice that before? Like, I with don't your think mic I've ever muted. seen the word in print, which is really astonishing that a French dyslexic would nail it on the first attempt. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> yeah. So, so well, Wes that's says, it. I mean, we don't really need. To, we can wrap up basically at this point. Drop the mic. I'm yeah, gone. See, boom. Two drop the mic jokes. <laughs> Wes says, "I watched your election results with trepidation. I'm sorry <laughs> to have learned that the Conservatives lost to the Liberals." Hopefully the liberals will leave the legal gun. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully the liberals will leave the legal gun owners alone. But based on how my liberals act, I have a bad feeling that they will soon be up to mischief. I continue to enjoy your show. Listen to it on listen to it on sometimes on my daily commute. There's an extra on there somewhere. I listen to it sometimes on my daily commute and sometimes on my two hour plus drive to a silhouette match. I look forward to it every week. I wish you all well and good shooting, Wes in North Michigan. Awesome. Now, Wes, write me back and let me know if that's full bore silhouette or small bore silhouette. Just because I'm nosy, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, thanks, Wes. We certainly hope that the liberals will stay out of our business, but that's not what liberals do. They take from one group and give to the other. Yeah, because they're liberals. <laughs> all right, uh, Adriel, are you still here? Yep. We didn't kick you off the show yet? Not yet. Because Owen's back, you know? Yeah. I know your your finger's right over that button. Right. It's hovering over the hang-up button. I really, I know know he's listened to us before, but he hasn't worked with us that long. I really, really, really do hope he gets that. We're just joking. (laughs) (laughs) Is it awkward that I'm talking about him like he's not here and he's right here? I'm pretty sure he understands that we're joking. Shh, Adriel, we're talking about you. (laughs) (laughs) What's that corner? Uh, okay, bring this next one is yes. from Jordan. Hello, Slamfire crew. I want to thank you for your never-ending pursuit to have all of us join the gun advocacy groups. I've listened to you guys since the inception, Canadian Reload Radio, Reload Radio, and your podcast is a constant companion on my commute to work. Keep up the good, excellent work. I would like to know that I would like you to know that today I purchased a membership to the CSSA and the new Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights. Oh, how cool! Uh, I'm a little embarrassed that it took this long, but now it's done. We need to keep our new government in check with education and level-headed pressure. I also feel the need to purchase a new non-restricted black rifle before their designation is changed or the need to report its sale. I'm thinking uh, Robinson Arms XCRL in 5.56 as well as a conversion kit for 7.62 by 39. This should be a fairly versatile firearm and it'll 
you know, the ammo will be cheap for it too. Yep. Hopefully, it will be relatively accurate or have the ability to be accurized. I know Trevor has owned one and would like to hear what you guys think of this option. I know there are others like the Tavor, VZ, etc., but I like the multiple caliber conversion of the XCR. I would really like to try the Chris Vector in 9mm as well. It uses They're doing that? Um, I don't know. I haven't heard of it. It uses Glock mags, so, oh damn, guess I'll need to uh, get a Glock 17 as well to go with my MMP9. Yeah, I double-checked that Chris Vector is making it in 9mm. I, I, I thought they were just in 45, but maybe, maybe there's a new one out or something. Just oh, double-check. Or just, you know, shoot 9mm through your 45. Let us know how it works out. I mean, especially in Canada, a Chris Vector, a non-restricted length Chris Vector in 9mm with that barrel, you're going to get as much velocity as, as possible out of a rifle-length barrel with a 9mm bullet. It's, it's going to be approaching the speed of light, I think. Shoot straight into space. Basically. No, but yep. I mean, a Chris Vector in 9mm with Glock mags? Yeah, that would be what, cool. What, I love the Chris Vector, but I'm not all about the 45. Yeah. Not, yep. There's nothing wrong with the round. I'm just cheap. Yeah, exactly. Now, what about the Robinson Arms uh, XCR? Definitely. I've had one, and the idea of getting it with the 762 by 39 conversion makes good sense. It gives you, you know, it's, it's literally two guns in one, depending on it's non-restricted. So if you want to take it hunting, depending on the game, I mean, 556, 7.62, they're both going to take down a deer or a bear. I would prefer, you know, hand-loaded 7.62 by 39 for deer or bear, but, and then 556 for varmints. Um, it's a good platform. It's heavy. Um, it'll, uh, I don't know if the 7.62 by 39 barrel is significantly heavier than the 556, but the 556 barrel in itself at 18 and a half inches does make the XCRL not so light, but, um, there are worse things out there. But you're getting two in one. You're absolutely right. I don't know of any other non-restricted platform out there that you can readily convert the calibers to this easily. The barrel literally comes off with one bolt. So, and the conversions were around 800 bucks. So, I think it's a great idea. It's brilliant. Not bad. Yeah. Uh, he goes on. Keep up the great work, you three. Looking forward to seeing all four of you on there soon. Well, you don't have to wait too long. Yeah, well, here he is. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Trevor, I look forward to seeing you in Vancouver next summer. Your friend in firearms, Jordan from Squamish, BC. Awesome. Well, Jordan, check your calendar. I'll be there around August 8th or 9th. So I'm certainly looking forward to meeting up with you again. Jordan gave me the tour, man. He picked me up in North Vancouver and drove me all over the place. We spent better part of a whole day together and he took me to all the coolest gun shops in vancouver which was just well i don't tell the wife but it was the best part of my trip to vancouver <laughs> took, took me shooting took me to a barbecue like, it was awesome cool all right well thanks jordan for the email let's move on to this next one from aaron owen if you're still with us mm-hmm. aaron says i would be willing to come up there although i'm not in need of a basic training course it might be a great time and a good excuse to shoot Plus, I would like to meet up with you, uh, uh, up with you anyhow. If there are others in need of this training more than I, perhaps I could help out in other ways. Keep me in the loop. So he's uh, talking about the handgun fundamentals course that will be put on in uh, Alberta this summer. So, yeah, Aaron, uh, I will put your name on the the email list so that uh, you are kept up to date as to what goes on. Uh, now, this next one, it's Trevor's turn, but. I lost exactly the, your turn. I lost the the coin toss. Actually, 
Maybe it is my turn. Is it really? It is. Oh. Uh, even if it's not, I would quit the show before I read this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Not that it's bad, Kevin. It's just, it's, you know. Yeah, it's from Kevin, and it's titled The Big One. So I'm looking for, like, an earthquake or something here. That, but... that was me paraphrasing. That's, yeah, yeah, that's, it, well, that's the title I put on. <laughs> it, it's hilarious. I like it. All right. So he writes... And um, here we go. Hi, guys. Before I get to my questions, I just want to say that Frosty has been a great addition to the show. You guys are consistently pumping out, mostly, quality content. And I enjoy listening to the show on my Friday commute. Two thumbs up. Well, hey, two thumbs up. Keep track. I'll I'll write that down. That's two, because I think we get three later on. So there's two. All right. The sense of urgency for Canadian firearms owners has come together... Uh, to come together and get organized is apparent. I just became a member of the CCFR as I agree with the less partisan approach to firearms freedoms in Canada. I also believe that educating non-firearm owners about firearms and the current laws is the most effective way to encourage a positive change. Now, on to my questions. Since the new government's platform indicates their intention to sign the UN Arms Trade Treaty and implement the marking regulations that have not yet come into force, I am interested in a factual evaluation of how they would impact Canadian firearms owners and what arguments we might be able to use to fight them. With regards to the marking regulations, the CSSA's Tony Bernardo in a Rebel Media interview claimed that it will increase firearms prices by a minimum of $200 per firearm and put 75% of Canadian importers, manufacturers, and retailers out of business. He claims that the equipment required to complete the markings is extremely expensive, requires specifically trained technicians, and the process of marking is virtually impossible on many firearms. And he includes a link. I assume that's to a, it's a YouTube uh, video, so that must be uh, where he's getting his info here. I had a look at the Canadian marking regulations, and this seems to only apply to newly imported firearms or newly manufactured firearms. Firearms that are temporarily exported and re-imported by the owner are exempt. It also seems that an importer or manufacturer can request authorization to mark the firearm in a non-conspicuous place if the firearm is of high value, doesn't have adequate external space, or if the standard marking practice for the manufacturer of the particular model requires it. The regulations were created in 2003, and the previous government ordered that they come into force on June 1, 2017. The requirements for marking are as follows. The firearm shall be marked permanently by stamping or engraving the firearm's frame or receiver with the word Canada or the letter CA. And, in the case of a manufactured firearm, the case of the manufacturer and the firearm serial number. And, in the case of an imported firearm, the last two digits of the year of the importation. I see a problem here in about uh, 80 years. They're going to have the whole Y2K thing all over again for these digits. They're going to have to go back and pay somebody to inscribe the 2-0 because the next ones are going to be 2-1. I'm actually looking at one right now, Matthew. A Facebook friend of mine, Jason Quinn, posted a picture of a Norinco 1911 that he imported. Yep. Not that he imported, just that I've, he purchased. I've, yep, I've seen it as well, yeah, with the yep. marking on it. UN marking on my Norinco 1911 Commander. Yep. CN09CA. Yep. So, did he spend $200 more on this Norinco? I don't know. I don't think the price changed at all. Uh, but it hasn't taken full effect yet, so, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the, the regulation continues, the markings shall be legible, have a depth of at least 
0.076 millimeters and a height of at least 1.58 millimeters and and it continues and goes on and on and on and there, there's some some other things in there and, and I encourage any listener to go and check out uh, the rest of the wording on that the email continues with Mr. Bernardo doesn't explain nor does Brian Lilly ask him why it is so technically difficult to mark firearms what expertise is required, how much the necessary equipment costs, or why this would close 75% of the Canadian firearms businesses. Are Mr. Bernardo's estimates and claims correct? I understand that this regulation really does nothing to help in any way, but I would like to have a well-reasoned argument to use against it. It doesn't really help us if the arguments against these regulations don't hold up to scrutiny. We need bulletproof arguments if we intend to be successful in resisting the implementation of this provision. Can you get to the bottom of this? I doubt it, but we'll try. <laughs> well, I, th- I think one of the things to keep in mind here is that, um, you know, fi- firearms dealers do keep uh, a ledger of firearms that they've sold. Um, so what are we doing with this, with this uh, tracking anyways? Like, the UN will, like, we've got this UN regula- regulation uh, serializing that we're doing. Uh, that happens when firearms go into the country, and then what? Yeah, see, I don't understand wh- how... See, what I, I was under the impression that this whole UN marking system was put in place to help uh, stop uh, illegal arms trade. How is an engraving on the side of a receiver stopping some rebel in Syria from picking up the rifle and using it? Yeah, I, and what's what's that doing for us in Canada when we're just... It's you know, not saving anybody's life. The serial, I mean, it's not like it's going to help us track the firearm any better. All firearms already have a serial number. They're already uniquely marked. Why do we need another uniquely marking on it? Like, it doesn't make any sense. It, it's just, we see the same thing. Like, murder is already illegal. So why should murder with a gun be doubly illegal? Yeah, why is it illegal to shoot somebody and it's illegal to kill somebody? I guess you don't just shoot to wound, I guess. I don't know. But so here, Matthew, here's here's the counter to that argument, though. Well, if we already mark firearms, then it doesn't matter. We can mark them again. What's, well, what, and you know on? what? Uh, you know, if, if it didn't add any sort of cost or time to the manufacture of the firearm and it didn't exactly. detract from the value of it, then I don't care. Because there's already a marking on there, the serial number's already there, I don't care. What I'm concerned with, why are we doing this? And is it cost-effective? Is it effective at all, period? No, I think it's being put in as another measure of um, red tape bureaucracy. It's a, it's a means of, of uh, punishment through process, right? It doesn't do anything except make the lives of the manufacturers, the importers, and the exporters difficult. That's yeah, let's let's make them jump. Here. Yeah, let's make them jump through another hoop. Let's make them do this, then we'll make them do that, and eventually we'll make them do this, and then they'll just get so sick of it they'll quit. Right. So it's like in New Brunswick, I have to have two license plates on my car. In Prince Edward Island, I don't. Nova Scotia, I don't. Uh, Quebec, Quebec, you don't. I, Quebec, I don't. But New Brunswick, oh my God, that second license plate keeps us so much safer on the if road. If you didn't have that, your car would basically run over every little child it saw on the side of the road. Well, yep. it sure makes them easy. It makes it easier for them to hit you with uh, uh, red light cameras from the front, right? So, or a red yep. light or a speeding camera, so they can they can catch you speeding while you're coming coming or them. going. Yeah, and you like here in Alberta, we only have it on the back. So if you see if you see a red light ca- uh, 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 speed trap, you can slow down and then pass it, and you won't get a ticket. But right. in New Brunswick, they've because they have that front license plate on there, they can uh, get you before you slow down. 
Yeah, they can collect Only collect their tax money better. There's there's no um, there's no such thing in New Brunswick as a uh, camera that gives you a ticket. There's no city in New Brunswick that's uh, using that system. So that argument's null and void. Yeah. <laughs> you know, come, they just... come check out Edmonton. If they <laughs> if they could, they would. Edmonton uses uh, uses red light and speed cameras like uh, like they're going out of style. Right. Yeah. No, not here. So I mean, you know, it's just it's the the analogy here is that it's useless. Every other province yeah. gets away with one plate, but we need two. Guns yeah. already have a number on them. Why another need, number on yeah. them is going to somehow make the world a safer place. It's, it's the front. It's the front license plate for the gun. Yeah. So yeah, we don't need it. So um, hopefully, those are some arguments you can use, Kevin. Um, and listeners, feel free to write in with your arguments why we shouldn't have this, um, and also write in with other factual information. That uh, that proves or disproves um, some of the figures and facts that were uh, uh, portrayed earlier in this email. Um, the email does continue on. He uh, he says the other question I have is about the arms trade treaty. The general opinion of this treaty is that it sets the bar lower than Canada's current regulations governing the export of weapons and military equipment. It treats an ICBM the same way that it does a 1022 or 795 for Matthew. Uh, will result in a firearms registry for all civilian-owned firearms, and it will lead to confiscation of all civilian-owned firearms. I have tried to read through the Arms Trade Treaty, but it is dense reading and refers to many other treaties. There is a document the UN produced regarding myths and facts about the Arms Trade Treaty, and it's available at un.org and a bunch of other letters. It seems to address many of the concerns we have, but I'm not sure if it accurately reflects the possible implementation and the consequences of the treaty. Can you explain what impact this treaty would or could have on civilian firearms owners in Canada? Sorry to drop such a dense and complicated question on you, but I believe we need non-biased factual arguments against them, and I believe you guys are the best ones to get the answers. Thanks in advance. Keep up the good work, guys. Kevin. Well, Kevin, you've been misled. <laughs> Um, I, I don't believe we're non-biased. <laughs> um, we would definitely find some factual arguments for you, but we're not the best ones, tell you that. But we'll try. We'll, we'll see if we can figure out some of this stuff and, and figure out what myths and facts there are about the Arms Trade Treaty. And again, we'll do this by turning to our listeners. We have a, a huge listener, a, a huge listener base that is very, very smart. Uh, a big portion of our listener base are just absolutely intelligent people. They know things that I didn't. That, yeah, I didn't even know that I didn't know. So those listeners are the ones who I'm talking to now. If you know any additional information on this, please send it in. Please keep the word small. Like trepidation is like max. Anything smaller than trepidation is cool, though. So send in your answers. Send in send in uh, some information, and we will happily share it on the show. And, uh, and pass it on to Kevin and everybody else who's listening and interested. He, he has a PS. He says, it's very kind of you to wish Kelly a good night on each show. And he has a, has a little sticky tongue out smiley face. I think this is, this is Kelly's Kevin, isn't it? I think so. Did, did we have his last name there? I don't know. No, his no, last yeah, name. Yeah, it is, it is, it is Ke- Kelly's Kevin. Yeah. So, so Kevin, I'm going to wish you a good night, buddy. <laughs> uh, that wasn't creepy at all. I oh I, I'll work you don't on want it. To hear creepy, you I'll get it. I'll get it creepier. Hold on, somehow. If you think that's creepy, you should hear us wish Kelly a good night. <laughs> it's kind. Good, good. Creepy. 
Good night, Kelly. It's like, it's like we crawl right inside her ear, and we just, we just snuggle right in there, and we. Good night, good, Kelly. Good good night, sweet dreams. <laughs> Who's up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, let's go, Adriel. From Sean. Good day, gents. Hope everyone had a great weekend. Just wanted to share what happened to me this Saturday. I was at the range enjoying what I do, and I was testing out some new pistol reloads. Everything was fine and dandy until halfway through my second magazine. Bang! Big fireball, puff of black smoke, and a sharp pain in my left hand. I kept control of the gun, and when I could see colors again, I deduced that I must have had a double powder charge in one round. I was grateful that I was wearing eye protection and ear protection, as I am still picking unburnt powder out of my face. I just wanted to share this uh, because it scared the living crap out of me, and although I blew up a perfectly good gun, I still have all ten fingers and two eyeballs and a sore-slash-burnt left hand. Just a reminder of what can happen in such a short amount of time. FYI, the gun was my IDPA competition gun, Smith & Wesson uh, MMP Pro. Ugh. Uh, that's terrible. That sucks. Also, I sent in my registration for my family for the CCFR. Can't wait to see what number I get. Have a great week, guys. Sean, sorry to hear about that, man. It I'm not sucks sure it was a, a double. Like that. I'm not sure it was a double double charge. Yeah? It, Do you think maybe it well, was a squib he's, and then he's a left, blow up? He's left-handed. So that right there, man, that could really mess a person up being left-handed. It, you know what? It, <laughs> it could have been his own fault for being a southpaw. You know what they say? 75% of all left-handers die with using right-handed implements. <laughs> There I'm sure it's seventy five percent. You know, it's, <laughs> you're you're lucky, man. You're lucky, Sean. You you were almost in there. So Greg, Dodge if the bullet, you're listening, so Greg, if you're listening, you also shoot an M and P. So watch out, man. Apparently, Southpaw's guns blow up. Yeah, they don't like the Southpaw hands. <laughs> yeah. Now, like I, I've got an M and P, uh, and I've I've had a squib um, as well. I, I just had one this weekend. I had. Uh, one of my buddies was reloading. I, I'm usually not. Oh uh, yeah, my buddy. Was pretty, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm throwing him under the bus. You can't yep. stop me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I had a squib. Um, it the gun would not absolutely would not load uh, another round. Um, it's just That's like the best the, kind of squib. Yeah, yeah, those are the best. Yeah, yeah. Um, I knew I knew what happened when I pulled the trigger, but. Uh, it, it it won't load another round, and uh, the bullets are really hard to extract out of the barrel. So I I'm, I kind of uh, agree with Sean. I think it it might have been a double charge because just because oh, of yeah. uh, unless he was using lead bullets, like a jacketed bullet will stop in an NMP really uh, without even getting close to being in battery. In my experience, right? This is a show yeah, it could have been lead bullet, or it could have only, and uh, your it, experience might vary. It could have also been um, a damp powder charge on the first one. So there was quite a bit more yeah. power than just a regular squib. And so maybe it did send the bullet down partway to the barrel and then stop. Yeah. And then the next one did blow it up. So, yeah, sure you know, right. I know that in, in whenever I've, I've seen guns kaboom, it's typically because there was an obstruction in the barrel, typically. But double charges will also do it. So, you know, I wasn't there. I didn't see what happened. So this is all just pure speculation. Unfortunately, you lost your gun. So that sucks. It's very easy to do in in a nine mil case, but it's so funny too, right? It's it depends on the powder, right? Like yeah. I can put seven point four to seven point six grains of shotgun gunpowder in a nine mil case, and the gun not blow up. But if you put a double charge of uh, tight group, <laughs> yeah, you're going to run into problems. Yes. Yeah. So 
I, I'd like to know what he was loading on. So if you could write back and tell us what type of reloading uh, setup you have, I'm, I'm curious about that. Well, it's it's. Um, I think IKEA had these like little LED lamps that had these real bendy necks on them, and the the point is that the head on it's really small. So I've got one of those that I uh, that I set up next to my reloading press, and I get it to shine into the case. Because every time I, I I put a video up last week of uh, of reloading on that uh, on that Dylan, um, when I put the bullet on the case, I'm looking to see that there's powder and it's about where the level should be on it. You can get the the powder check uh, dies and those are those are great, but that visual confirmation is uh, is really key as well. It is because I've had my um, powder check die on my Dylan malfunction and move when oh. it wasn't supposed to move. So nothing beats looking into the uh, case Yeah, each and every time. Uh, we ready for the next one from Tom? Yeah, go for it. Tom says, hi, guys. Just wanted to mention quickly, great job on the new mobile website. Very clean and well, well organized. Tom. Well, You're, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. Basically, Owen, Owen and Trevor yeah, and myself no. basically did that. And <laughs> Adriel is like, you guys, we don't need one of those. Stop making that. Actually, the old HTML. Like, yeah, it was more like, guys, do you know how bad your website sucks? I can fix it. So that's what he did. Go to Adriel for that. Yeah, he fixed it. Yeah. Well, I just I just put it on a, a real quick WordPress template. It's nothing big, but uh, yeah, it should work better on a, a phone or something like that. And I think I've got all the feeds sorted out now. I think the last one was Stitcher, and and uh, I got that sorted today. Yeah, but who uses Stitcher? What I know. Uh, yeah. Some people. Who's got Dwayne? Oh, uh, Owen, that's you. Oh, what? Huh? Hey. Oh, it's rock. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at the website on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Uh, Dwayne says, hey, guys, I'm a longtime listener since the old days, CRR days, and a proud Slamfire Radio t-shirt wearer. Just wondering, have you heard of this, and do you know if it will be legal in Canada? I just tried it. It doesn't work. We don't know what it is. It goes to a... Salt a safe gun for a safe home. So it's something about a gun safe, I'm suspecting. I, I don't know, because it's talking about... The carry-on, you'll oh, see. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's 350 feet per second. Last I heard, the arbitrary threshold was 214 feet per second. Hmm. Okay. Don't know. So it's some sort of gun. Shoot stuff. Maybe it shoots salt? I don't know. It's like... Is it the like bug of salt? No, 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 no. It's like a paintball gun, but it shoots... Uh, like a uh, compressed ball of salt. It's supposed to be for personal protection, and he wants to know if it's going to be legal. And here's why it won't be. Yeah, you're not allowed to use. Um, I can't carry pepper spray for self defense. Yeah, you can't. You can't, you can't carry pre- this for self defense. Yeah, you, you can't, can't prepare carry for self-defense. a pocket knife for self defense. No, you can use the scraper of your car for self defense. I can use a collapsible baton in my glove compartment for self-defense, but it's not there for self-defense. I'm trained in first aid and CPR. It's there to smash the window out of a car if I need to render first aid to someone on the side of the road in an accident. But I may have to rely upon it to save my life if I'm being attacked by multiple attackers. But I don't carry it for self-defense. Yeah, you're not allowed to carry anything for self-defense. So it won't be legal for self-defense. However, it may be legal as a toy or as a paintball uh, equipment or something, but it's not going to be legal for self-defense. I'm pretty sure this ended up as a CGN thread, and uh, people have said that it's not legal, and they said, why, but I can't, unfortunately. Oh, it's not even going to come into Canada? I don't think so. I'm sorry I don't have a link to that for you, but I'm sure that he's following those same threads, if not started them. All right. Carry on, Owen. Okay. 
Uh, what do you think of it, and how do you foresee classification working if it is legal here? At the very least, I think it would be a great way for Matthew to season the elusive part part grouse. Part grouse, and, and he even trademarked Trade. it. <laughs> <laughs> if he ever sees one. I never will. Because of the, oh my goodness, cap capsaicin? Capsaicin sure. component? Spi- spicy stuff. Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure I'd want to be firing it inside my house. I'd definitely try it at a friend's place instead. (laughs) (laughs) Go to a friend's house instead. Keep up the good work, siphoning out the great info between the archery rambling, yawn, and jokes. Makes me look like a genius among my gunny pals. Huh. So he he managed to slam both of us there, Trevor. (laughs) You for the archery and me for the dumb jokes, apparently. Huh. Listen, Uh, if it wasn't for dumb jokes, you wouldn't have any jokes. He was talking about... <clears throat> I think if he, the great info he was talking about, at least this week, will be the apple cider vinegar part. So, Of course. Um, <clears throat> oh, and Adriel. My little brother's name is Adriel. It's kind of a trip hearing the name used on, on someone else. Cheers, Dwayne and PC. Oh, that's funny. My brother's name is Dwayne. It's not. It's John, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of dumb jokes, Trevor, <laughs> this next one's for you, so I'll read it and you answer it. Okay. Hey guys, I'm wondering if you can point me in the right direction. This winter I'm going to be building or buying an AR in 2 to 3, and I want to get a jump on the reloading equipment. The RCBS undersized die kits are on a really good sale. Should I go this way, or would regular dies be the better choice? I've never messed up with undersizing before, but I want the best chance of reliability. By the way, new guy is doing well. Thanks for any help. Tyler in Winnipeg. So, um, in there's a video for anyone else who's interested in this that Matthew and I did one day briefly explaining how the X die works. So my advice to Tyler was not regular dies, was not small base dies. It was, in fact, the X die. What the X die does is prevent your brass from stretching. When you're resizing, uh, full-length resizing, rifle brass, it stretches, and then it needs to be trimmed. And that's what makes reloading for semi-automatic rifles such a pain in the butt. If you're reloading for a bolt-action rifle, you can simply neck size because the case has been fire-formed to your chamber. You do not need to full-length resize it every time. And neck sizing, or using a collet die, doesn't typically stretch the brass. So you don't have to trim it. Certainly don't have to trim it as often. You might want to monitor it after so many resizes. But with a, with a semi-automatic, there's no two ways about it. You're full-length resizing, and as a result, stretching the brass every time, which will mean you have to trim it every time. So you trim your brass, and then you adjust the X die to that length. Reload all your bullets accordingly, fire the uh, ammunition, recover that brass, and if that brass, because it's been um, trimmed, and then the X die has been adjusted to that, resize it again in the X die, and it won't stretch. The only downside to this is you have to recover your brass all the time. Otherwise, you need to go through the process of resizing it. It'll stretch and then trim it. As long as you trim it to the size or the length that your X die is adjusted to, you should be fine. But it's really the answer for um, reloading large volumes of rifle brass, in particular 223 or maybe 308 if you're running something like an M305. So um, that is uh, hands down my recommendation. I've been reloading on it now for two years. I recovered as much as, as much of my 223 brass over the summer as possible from the matches and the courses and the, just the practice. And so rather than resizing 2,000 pieces of brass this winter, trimming 2,000 pieces, chamfering, deburring, 
cleaning again. Um, I'm, I can just simply put my X die in my Dillon, let's say, lube all that brass, and then progressively reload it like I would pistol brass without having to worry about uh, trimming it because it's not going to stretch. So there you have it. And and for so, uh, some of the beginner reloaders out there, if, if you're reloading rifle uh, ammo and you're not trimming, what you might find is if you're crimping and sitting your bullet at the same time, if you, you, you're you going to have some where you don't get enough crimp because the case is a little bit too short, and you're going to have some where the case is too long, and you might end up uh, crushing the brass a little bit down and then having the shoulders kind of bulge out. And that's that's just because the case length isn't uh, isn't really consistent. Um, so you either, like like Trevor mentioned, do an X size or the X die, or you trim your brass so that they're all consistent lengths and you're not uh, trying to crimp uh, the the mouth of the brass when it's all over the place but between different pieces. Well said. Who's next here? Hello? Oh, I muted my mic. Ha ha, my bad. I was talking earlier too and was wondering why nobody was answering me. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it when I do that. I thought you guys were all just being jerks. All right, Owen, you want to bring us this last email from Benny? All right, Benny says, hey, guys, how's it going? Sorry about Owen. <laughs> he will be missed. Hey, new guy. I think you should keep the mermaid thing. It might bring more girls to the sport. <laughs> oh, dear. Owen, you uh, probably haven't been listening, so you're probably no, not up on it. No, not really. Any. Yeah, so he's got multiple nicknames. Ariel being one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Frosty. 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 New guy. Uh, New guy, of course. New guy, that seems yeah. the most common, yeah. Yeah, new, new guy okay. and Frosty have, have, have stuck. Okay. Yeah. I tried uh, Areola, but apparently it's just a mispronunciation <laughs> of Ariel. It's not sticking. Yeah, okay. Anywho, I finally made my first restricted purchase. Full-sized steel frame Jericho uh, 941. 941? 9mm Jericho? Yeah, 941. Yeah, Jericho 941. what that is. 941? Okay. Yeah, I've never heard it called that before. Okay. In uh, 9mm, of course. Now, here's the thing. I have no idea what ammo to buy. 9mm. Definitely get 9mm. I don't want to spend too much. And the easiest way I see to do that is to get it in bulk. But I would like to test some stuff out beforehand. Any suggestions? Also, would you mind doing a short bit on where to start when buying ammo for a new gun, say in a caliber you aren't already familiar with? Thanks a ton, guys. Keep up the great work. Sharp 97. Trevor, if you, you read this, I went over it twice before I sent it just to make sure autocorrected didn't mess anything up, so I hope it's easier to read. <laughs> oh, that was nice. Yeah, easier is misspelled, by the way. Easier spelled yes. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are, but for, uh, so for rifle ammo, yeah, I, I go out and I get a couple of different boxes. I take them all to the range. I print some groups, and I'll buy whatever is the most accurate for my rifle. For a pistol, I kind of make whatever the cheapest possible is because the, the the thing that's holding me back in accuracy is me. It's not my pistol. My pistol doesn't need to be anywhere near as accurate as it is already um, for me to eke out more of it. So I, for for me, I think just any any bulk ammo that your your handgun's going to cycle and in a uh, Jericho, it's going to be fine with pretty much anything out there. Read Absolutely. some reviews on the ammo. Here, here, here's. Here's how here's how you go about it, okay? This is this is the ultimate. This is this is how you have to do it. You you okay, you just bought your Jericho nine forty one. Great congratulations. Buy it like six or seven different brands, you know, different bullet weights, all that kind of stuff. Take it home, throw your Jericho in the garbage and buy Glock. Yep. <laughs> That's what you do. It's kind of like mixing the perfect martini, right? One per, one per gin, one per vermouth, 
stir, dump in the garbage, pour a glass of scotch. <laughs> uh, the only thing that you're going to see a difference of uh, is going to be group size based on bullet weight 115, 124, 147. If you can shoot accurately, you'll be able to detect the difference between those bullet weights, especially out to distance. However, I know very few people. There are people out there, but I don't know them. But I know very few people who can outshoot their handgun, mm-hmm. right? Oh, you know, that the, 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 I can shoot better than this, but it's the gun or it's the ammo. Uh, semi-automatic 9mm handguns are not target accuracy handguns. It's The difference in ammunition is going to be so negligible. And if your shooting skill is not up to par, you're not going to notice anyway. We're not talking about a precision bullseye target shooting gun here, so don't even worry about it. Try some 124, see how it groups. Try some 147, see how it groups, and uh, pick the one that groups better, and then forget yeah, about it. Really, for starting out with handgun, you want to pick the reliable ammo so that you're not always messing around with your gun trying to make it work, because that just gets frustrating. And Yeah, don't buy the cheapest you. stuff you can find. That's right, because you won't practice then. Yep. If you can find something reliable, don't worry about how super accurate it's going to be through your gun as long as it's reliable, and then in two years and three or four thousand rounds, then you go, hmm, now I'm going to try some other ammo and see if it's more accurate. That being said, do read up on some reviews. Um, I recently experienced uh, tumbling bullets from um, some ammo. Uh, just just you know, read up, make sure that the ammo you're buying does have good reviews and uh, you know isn't isn't cheap. I mean, you can get factory reloaded stuff for a lot less than new factory stuff. That's what I'd recommend if you can find something like that. But you know, just make sure you're getting some quality stuff. Don't don't get cheap. If you're online, you can get factory stuff for for pretty much the same as that reloaded stuff. Um, and and like Canada Canada Ammo has a pile of of what PMC nine millimeter, and uh, there's there's definitely nine millimeter out there that you can get that is as cheap as factory remanufactured. I've got a. That second, being got, said, be aware of getting steel core stuff. You know, some of the Barnell's 9 mil is actually steel core, and that may uh, violate some range rules depending on where you are. So be, be aware of what you're buying when you're buying cheap 9 mil. Yep. Cool. Anything else? Major. Uh, I'm just pulling this up. I've got, uh, let's see here, SFRC's got Blazer brass for $300 per thousand. Um, their aluminum stuff is 287 per thousand. The bar yeah, and all is just a little bit cheaper, but why bother? Because the, the Blazer stuff is, is just a little bit more, and it's not going to be steel case and all that other jazz, right? And if you're not going to reload, get the aluminum and sweep it up and throw it away. Because at 287 1000 I've seen um, remanufactured ammo, 9 mil, go between 290 and 300 I've sold my own reloaded stuff for 300 1000 So... <laughs> Yeah, I've yeah. seen the reloaded stuff at, at right around three twenty a thousand. I agree. Like for nine millimeter, the cases are pretty much like bending down and, and picking up nine mil brass off the range, unless it's like all collected and clean and all that kind of stuff. It's not worth it. You can buy that stuff for cheap from uh, uh, if if there's a police range nearby, you can get it for cheap. Yeah, um, I just you bought can, uh, two thousand pieces for sixty bucks. Yep, not you, worth not worth picking up. It's uh, IVI, and the primer pockets will have to be crimped. So oh. John's going to get a, list, uh, a lesson how to use the Dillon Super Swager, but that's not my problem. <laughs> so, yeah. Awesome. No, yeah, so I mean, when it comes to 9mm ammo, yeah, I mean, SFRC had the best prices I can find. And I'll, what I'll do is I'll, I'll put a link to this uh, spreadsheet that I got where I've, 
I'm kind of like collecting all the where where you can get the cheapest, most common ammo in Canada. Cool. Well, that'll be fun. Excellent Good. resource. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, thanks for the email, Sharp. Uh, if you want to send an email to the show, you can send it to slamfireradio at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, that, that'll be fun. You should do that. iTunes reviews. We have a new one. And uh, thanks to Stacy, actually, for letting me know that we had a new one. Yeah. We Boy, of... are we, uh, are our faces red? Yeah. <laughs> we don't need Stacy to check our iTunes feed. And then we did. <laughs> so this one is on the American feed, and it was sent October 21st from uh, Larry Cunningham. Now, did this actually sounds familiar? Maybe I just read it earlier, and I'm just thinking that I read it on the show. But I, oh, I guess did I didn't I make the joke that it was Grant Cunningham's brother. Yeah, that's what I thought. So we have read this one. He gave us three thumbs up at the end. There you go, Stacy. So we 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 didn't have a new one. You thought <laughs> you thought we did, but we didn't because, like I said, we don't yeah. need Stacy's help. Yeah, we don't yeah. need Stacy's help. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you uh, to everybody who has left iTunes reviews in the past, and uh, I guess that brings us on to shoutouts. I have one to Modern Rifleman Radio, and in particular, Brian Bolivar. Um, in fact, Brian was going to reach out to Rod Giltaka before us and took the trouble to contact this show, me, and say, hey, do you mind if I have Rod on? And I replied and said, yes, I do mind. <laughs> so he, he, yeah, no, he was really cool about it. He's like, yeah, okay, no problem. You guys interview him. You know, you're part of the association and so on. And uh, so thank you, Brian, for being the, the bigger man and letting us do the interview. Uh, I know that New Shooter Canada wouldn't have done that. They just would have gone ahead and done the interview. So thanks, Brian, for being like the coolest guy on the podcast. <laughs> just kidding. Good night, Kelly. Huh. All right. Um, anybody else for shoutouts? All righty then. Please be sure to check us out on the Crusader Podcast Network at crusaderpodcast.com. Please join any or all of our National Firearms Associations. We heard from a great one tonight, and I encourage all of our listeners to go check them out and put your money where your mouth is. Sign up. Check us out on Gun Owners of Canada. We have a little forum there. Uh, actually, we have a little discussion going on. Um, should we continue to read Dirty's emails on the show, or shouldn't we? And uh, listeners, I'd, I'd encourage your feedback on that as well. You can either send us feedback to the show or to uh, to the Gun Owners of Canada thread. It, it, there's there's interesting discussions both ways, and it's it's oh, yeah. not even funny. It's uh, it's serious, and people people are weighing in, and it's great. We love it, um, and we will basically do whatever we want in the end, anyway. But we, we do like your feedback, and you know if good points are raised, then we will obviously listen to them. So, um, yeah, you can check that out. Trevor, were you going to say something there? Oh, just, I hadn't seen this yet, and I'm, I'm very surprised that it was actually uh, brought up. Yeah, no, so, and you know the, the poster makes some valid points. So, uh, you know, head over to Gun Owners of Canada. I think the poster thinks that we shouldn't. Correct. Mm-hmm. So, you know, check it out. This, and this is a serious show. Very serious. And uh, should be treated as such. Right. Always. Right. Wait, Wait. I'm pretty sure. Never mind. No. <laughs> also, please go like us on Facebook. We're at uh, 1,294 likes, 48 thumbs up. Did we did we get the two in there from from this email? Yeah. Okay. So we are at now an official 48 thumbs up and counting. So uh, we're, we're we're almost to 50 thumbs up, folks. <laughs> almost 50 thumbs That's up. Crazy. That is. Yeah. So. 
Anyhow, Owen, thanks again for joining us. You're welcome. Welcome back, I guess. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Thanks. Don't get excited, here. folks. I just dropped in to say hi. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he talked about apple cider vinegar. So, <laughs> so Trevor was like, Trevor's like, whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, g- gentlemen, this is where you say goodbye. There's no job. Take There's, someone I, shooting. Well, I'm waiting for the. <laughs> Somebody else say something. <laughs> something. All right, then. Uh, let's, 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 let's wrap this up. So, if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now, go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun. Have you seen Bat Dad? Because I'm Batman. No. Bat Dad? No. I've seen Bat Dad, yes. Have you really, Matt? Yes, I have. That's so funny. It's hilarious. Ben, what did we say about peeing in the yard? Don't tell Mom. That's right. (laughs) Because he's Batman. (laughs) So funny. Bat Dad. Google uh, Facebook Bat Dad sometime, Adriel. Okay. It's Uh, pretty funny. You got to do it. Okay. I don't know how long this is going to take before it gets old, but we're going to find out. We're there, buddy. Are you sure? Yes. We we might want to push the limit. <laughs> the limit has been pushed. We just don't know until we get there. No, we're there, buddy. I don't see Rod Giltak online yet. <laughs> oh my God. I'm looking for Rod Giltak. Are you him? This is a this is a new level of goofiness, even for Matthew Adriel. I, I, and I don't know why I feel the need to explain his behavior to you. I'm not responsible for him. Uh, it's because you're not Batman, Matthew. Yes, you. Trevor. <laughs> you're not Batman. I know what. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. Ah, dang it. Okay, then I'll quit. In a little while. <laughs> this is an outtake. <laughs>